this is what it's all about. And this is what's this is the part that's being missed. And this is what pisses me off to no end is that, you know, we all talk a big game about brotherhood. We all talk about being brothers. But you got to walk that walk, man. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the problem. There's so many people, and I'm not saying I'm perfect either. Like, I've had my run-ins with people too, but, you know, an asshole's an asshole. You don't right? say. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Just. It's so important. This job is a blue-collar, dirty, snotty, bloody, get-your-ass-kicked type of job. I don't it care is. if it's volunteer or career. It is. But you have to be exposed to that. And when we don't expose our own to that, how can we expect them to perform under the conditions when it's time to perform? You can't. Right. You can't. Aaron, and, 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 you're, and is that who you would want coming for your family? Well, that's what, right. I mean, of course, right? right? And, and so what you guys were able to do in Burning in the Bayou was exactly that. You, and you just said it before, your nozzle man was probably a, it was a younger kid. It's probably never made a push like that in his life. Yeah. And you know what? Not a lot of guys what, have. Right. And, yeah. and the thing is, is that what they learned very quickly was, holy shit, this is real. Hey guys, Jeremy National Fire Radio. As always, with my friend and comrade, Robert Ridley. Rob, good evening, sir. Good evening, Jeremy. And of course, no stranger to the National Fire Radio family, Aaron Heller. Sir, thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me again. Aaron's been on the show once before, so he's a veteran. Uh, I think you're actually the first guest to be on twice, no? Yeah. Yeah. So you are you get your name on a whole different list, which is uh yeah. No, it doesn't count. He doesn't count. Um, so anyway, here we are. Um, we brought Aaron in tonight. We asked Aaron to come back. We we had the luxury of spending a w- luxury. There was no luxury yeah, about it, but we'll get into that. There was definitely no luxury. Aaron runs a uh, incredible training company called On Scene Training Associates. Um, O-S-T-A. OSTA. OSTA. Mm. Um, these guys are everywhere and the the lineup of instructors Aaron that you guys have is incredible and we're going to get into all that but the reason why we asked Aaron back tonight to be on the show with us um is to go over a weekend that we spent down in uh Thibodeau Louisiana um a few about probably about a month ago now yeah it's been a month um and Rob and I had the luxury uh, again that word but you no, know, it wasn't a luxury it was hot <laughs> sweaty wet it was terrible but we'll talk about it um we had the uh the fortune to be down there with Aaron and his cast of characters uh, who performed some incredible training uh, in Louisiana. And uh, Rob and I really were um, taken back by the whole experience. And um, we thought it would be a great opportunity to just talk about the training culture in the, in the, in the fire service and really talk about Aaron, your part and what you guys have done to really push the envelope with training, um, realistic training um, and so on. So thanks for joining us tonight on the show. Um, you're a friend, not just, uh, somebody on the show, but you and I, we, we talk quite often. I know you talk with Rob as well. Um, and so on. So you're a friend and we're honored to have you here tonight. So yeah, thanks for coming back. We just, yeah. yeah right. I mean, like, like you didn't have anything else going on, right? Yeah. No, nothing. Yeah. Nothing. No, yeah. Right. Nothing. I have nothing. All these evenings, I just sit home wondering what I'm going to do next. We this, owe your manager a lot. This is like, yeah, yeah, right. This yeah. is a, this is a guy that hasn't been home probably in a month from training. I mean, they're, they're somewhere every other weekend you guys are it's been a really busy fall so let's do this let's just hop into on-scene training let's talk right about it so give me a little background on how you guys started and then we'll bring it full speed to where we are today yeah so on-scene training it uh it started about 15 years ago 16 years ago now um i was doing drills for 
some of the local fire companies around us that really just needed that extra, that next level, or maybe they just needed to hear it from a different voice instead of their chiefs, you know, because everybody gets kind of tone deaf when it's right. the same person delivering it. Same within my department too. They hear it from me over and over again and they're like, yeah, who gives a shit? Right. So they needed to hear it from somebody else. So I was at somebody else at the time. And, uh, my ex-wife is a forensic auditor and she basically said, listen, I'd, I'd really appreciate that we start an LLC or something before you screw up and we lose our house. <laughs> so, uh, cause she had a lot of faith in me. Right. Yeah. And, right. and, uh, and so we did. So we started an LLC and, um, that's how on scene training was born. And it was really just local drills and, and stuff like that in, in South Jersey and central Jersey. I think what's interesting about that. And I know that everybody's dealing with it from the, from the small town department to the big city departments. Sometimes we need to hear it from a third party. We do. Yeah. We do. I mean, you know, we take for granted, you know, what we know in our departments and we might have some cream of the crop guys in our own departments that have a, a message to share, but because we know their backstory or we know a little bit more about them or choose yeah. not to listen to them. against them. Yeah. Prejudice yeah. against them. Right. Absolutely. Rob. Yeah. I mean, so being a third party, um, is huge. And so there, there's that niche there where, you know, the student's going to learn more from an outsider than an insider. In, in most cases. That, yeah. That works that way. Yeah. So but, fast forward, I mean, through 15 years, cause I really want to talk about Thibodeau and sure. the Louisiana experience, but you know, through those 15 years, you have made a name for yourself in the training end of things um, because you've been able to align yourselves with just some of the cream of the crop names. I mean, yeah. Let's, can we talk about your, your instructors? And I mean, yeah. I just, I was, I'm floored when I was looking at bios the other night on your website, cause a couple of the guys are doing it on tap for us coming up and, yeah. you know, just reading the bios of the guys you have and so on. It's a testament to what you guys are doing because, you know, there's, there's a lot of training companies out there. There's a lot of training pages, but how many bring forth the pedigree that you have? Um, I don't know. That's up for debate. You not know? only, not only that, but just, like before we jump into the whole situation in Thibodeau and what we did, like no instructor talking down to a student. No, oh, yeah. none of the things that I've seen in the past with instructors yeah. Yeah. who are like up here on this level and you don't understand because you're not on this level and you're down here and maybe one day you can come up here. And that was, I was just so, so taken aback by the, um, like the human element of, you know, your, your, your people relating down to the students yeah. and making them not feel inferior that's that is um something that i never said i never said to our guys hey you never big league somebody because i never had to right um because they were the right people and they never would but i can tell you as a young guy who was going to classes and i was meeting people when i was in my 20s and i was going to a lot of classes and trying to kind of learn my way and understand things because i had this voracious appetite to learn about firefighting and I knew I couldn't get it just in the little town that I was living in, in New Egypt. And even in Hamilton, you know, we were kind of, we were kind of stuck on our island. We weren't getting it from other places and learning from other people. So I knew enough to keep my mouth shut and really learn. Um, and then try and bring it back and, and show these guys what I was learning, which sometimes was a hurdle in itself because I was this young guy bringing all these ideas, just like young guys are today, bringing their ideas to the firehouse. And, and the old guys are like, ah, screw you, man. You're, you're just yeah. a kid. This yeah. is how we do it. But so I had these amazing examples and I, I don't know that it was ever a conscious decision on my part, but it, um, I thank God that I figured it out some, even subconsciously. You know, I remember sitting in classes with 
the likes of Danny Noonan, who's retired FDNY. Right. And, and he was a legend in his day. And, and, you know, sitting in his class, sitting in Ray McCormick's classes, you know, and, and now these guys are, are good friends. But sure. back then, I just looked up to them and went, wow, these guys, you know, and they were, they were young at the time. You know, Noonan maybe not, but but guys like Ray and guys like Champo. And, and uh, I remember going to University of Illinois. I went to Fire Service Institute for the first time at University of Illinois. And I took their uh, written survival train-to-trainer stuff. And um, here's Bob Hoff teaching. You know, Bob went on to become the commissioner in Chicago. But at the time, he was a BC or, or something of that nature. And uh, there was um, uh, Donnie Hayde from FDNY, who retired as, you know, a chief in SOC, as a yeah. BC running 40 SOC. 40-something years, I believe, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, and a yeah. hardcore Marine, sure. and just this salty dude. He was a lieutenant back then when I met him. So you know this is a long time ago, wow. right? But I remember watching these guys move and work and watching them do things on the drill ground, and I just remember thinking to myself, and I was in my 20s, and I remember thinking to myself, man, what it must take to be one of them. Yep. And they never once big-leagued me. I was, I was wearing a helmet from this little place in New Egypt, New Jersey, but they respected that I wanted to come all the way there and pay my way and learn from them. And I took it in and thought, man, how cool is it that these dudes afterwards will sit down and have a beer with me and tell me fire stories. Absolutely. Or, you know, Bob, Bob Pressler was another one. He's yep. still, he and Lombardo, they're still going, man. Yep. These guys are legends. And I was blessed that 20-some years ago when they were really – Young and in their prime, not, although I think those guys are still in their prime at this rate. But um, I had the really the good fortune to learn from them, and they never once big-leagued you. Nobody did. And there's asshole instructors that did, but I just ignored those ones. You know, I didn't want to go to their class again. And I see some today that are doing that sure. here and there, and I, you know, and I hear about it. But you don't get that from... The, the good guys, the guys that are in it because they want you to be better firemen. Right. And uh, and they love the job. You know, Roger Kendrick teaches for me. He's a Boston fireman. He's a lieutenant on ladder, uh, I'm sorry, on Engine 39. And um, we were teaching this weekend in Maine. And when Roger introduced himself to the students, he goes, you know, I'm Roger Kendrick. I'm a lieutenant with 39 Engine in, in Boston. And, and I'll tell you why I'm here, because I love like-minded guys who want to learn about being firemen. Amen. And I love being around firemen who want to be firemen. Right. And, and you know what? The, the 20 students or whatever that were in that class, they were all, they bought in immediately because they saw that he was genuine. And here's this guy who's, you know, he's been in a lot of places sure. in Boston, been on the job a long time, owns a very successful business, but yet he was there for them because he wanted to be a fireman just like them. And those are the kind of guys that work for on scene. And they're the only kind of guys that will ever work for on scene. And I, I think that just nails it, right? I mean, that sums it all up because a lot of what I talk about, you know, we're not the training guys, right? We're not, I bring in guys like you if we want to talk about training and talk about engine company or truck company work or whatever, right? Right. We bring in guys that have the pedigree behind them to talk about that. Rob and I and the rest of the guys in National Fire Radio, we're about tradition and, tradition and culture and the brotherhood and so on. And for me... That's, you know, there's a big part of training that I think gets missed. And that's when we're done on the drill ground, yeah. when we're done stretching the lines and throwing the ladders, that we can come back and crack a beer and we're just brothers. Yeah. We're family. And we can sit around and bust balls and tell stories because so many lessons are learned just from sitting around after the sun goes down oh, yeah. and telling stories. And I think that's hugely important because there are people that get caught up in their own, you know, um, I don't know, their own uh, egos. egos. Absolutely. Thank you, Rob. Well done. 
But, you know, and, and for me, you know, part of that is, you know, when you get to go away, when somebody's willing to go get that external training, like you said, when you were a young kid from New, G- New Egypt in a small town and you want to go somewhere to learn because you wanted to learn, it needs to be an experience. It shouldn't just be the eight to five on a training ground and then you right. have to find your way. Right. I think all encompassing aspects of the fire service needs to include not only the physical training, but the mental training, mm-hmm. the brotherhood, the camaraderie, and everything that goes along with that. And sometimes that's missed. And so the one thing I did notice about Aaron, yourself, and all your guys is that you did. You, you, rela- you were relatable from the street level on down with every single guy and girl on the training ground when I was with you guys. That at the end of the day, you'd crack a beer or have a smile and a laugh with anyone. And it didn't matter where you came from or who you are. And when you talk about those guys that you sat through that influenced you growing up through the fire service, that was it. That's the draw. The draw is they're just real. They're just yeah. good people. Yeah. Surround yourself mm-hmm. with good people and good things happen. I it, agree. It's, it, it's, been, it's been a blessing. You know, I've said this before, and I know last time we talked, I, I said the same thing, but when you get the chance to live out these little kids' dreams, you know, all right, yeah, we all, as little kids, I want to be on a fire truck. You know, if I couldn't play pro baseball, I was going to be a fireman. Well, it worked. And whether I knew it or not, it it worked. But, man, there's so many people that would kill to be you today, to be in that seat, to be in that front seat of that rig, or to be, or, or guys who only have the ability to see some of these guys online. You know, or read their stuff in, in, you know, fire engineering or firehouse magazine or go on to fire engineering training minutes and watch a champ video, right. you know. So for us and for those students to be able to be there and relate, they deserve that. And if especially if they're paying you, man, you should not take that lightly. These people, I can tell you, Burning and Bayou, I believe we had over 100 registrations. My guess would be a third of those paid themselves. Wow. That's not cheap, man. No. I mean, and we didn't, we, we didn't charge enough to, to make any money. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh, but you know, think about it. They paid, they paid 300 and some dollars for us. Then they paid for an airfare or they drove down and then they paid a little bit for a hotel, you know? So in the end, they made a big investment. We owe it to them that we should give them every bit of us. That's the, and that's, that's the attitude. That's, I mean, that's the yeah. right attitude, right? That's how I feel. I, I there was a time where you and I were. I, I came. I went through this engine company operations, mm-hmm. and we were doing the two and a half. And I was like, "Man, I don't feel like I'm getting this right." And you're like, "Yeah, like try this and try that." And afterwards, a kid came up to me and was like, "Well, you know, you're a lieutenant in in New York." Like, and I was like, "Well, you know, like slow it down." You know, I'm. It's, it's it's where I work. Yeah, it's a state. It's not the city, but like, you know, it's, still, it's, <laughs> it's like a really big sport. state. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he said he's like, yeah, but like, you had no qualms about saying like, I'm not doing this right. Can can you show me? And I said, well, yeah, that's like this is the best. This is the absolute best environment. And I said, you know what? Like, there's a little bit of a fleeting part of me that was embarrassed to say like, hey, I'm not sure I'm handling this two and a half right. Mm-hmm. But like, this is a like a you know for all lacks intents and purposes, this is a circle of trust where I can say that, and this is a perfect time to learn mm-hmm. versus being on the fire ground. So anytime you're here, ask any of these guys, and they'll 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 take the time to show you, you know, the the way. But I think I think that's one of those things too, where. Um I think that's one of those things, too, where nowadays in the fire service, kids are afraid 
to say they don't know. They're afraid to let their guard down, right? Like, yeah. we're so guarded now. Yeah, I think that's because of all the bullshit that happens on social media. Mm-hmm. You know, you get picked apart, you get bullied, you yep. get torn up. You know, the hazing that used to happen in the firehouse was nothing compared to what goes on it's different in today's type. world. It's, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, now it's mean. Back then, right. it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was it was. Funny. I call it character building. Even when it was happening to me, I thought yeah, it was right. funny. Yeah, right. It was character you know? building, you know? We're yeah. building character. Yeah. But Aaron, I agree. But I, I think now more so than ever, you know, it's okay to say you don't know or ask that question to say, hey, I, didn't, I don't think I got that right. So you're telling me we need to do X, Y, and Z. But kids are afraid to do that. And I look around, like when we're doing training and things like that, and they're like, did everybody get that? Can we move on to the next thing? And everybody just sits there with that blank stare and they shake their head. They're yeah. not competent in, in what they just learned or yeah. saw, but a, they're afraid to talk about it. A good instructor will go through it and then go through it a little more. Yeah. Because, you know, we always joke that there's no, the only one dumb question is, is can I buy you another beer? You know, that's a dumb, <laughs> Bart, Bart yeah. Simpson told yeah. us that's the yeah, dumbest yeah, yeah. question in the world. You can always buy me another beer. Of course. But, um, or in my case, tequila, but, nice. <laughs> but it's true. They, they do hold back. I was teaching in, in Maine this weekend and uh, there were some salts in the class who definitely have been to a lot of fires. And then there were some really young kids and it's a very part, a kind of rural part of Maine. Yeah. Um, where these kids hadn't had the experience yet. And I, and I asked a couple questions and I could just see looking out at the crowd that like, all right, they didn't quite get that. Right. So I need to, I just need to reinforce that a little bit and then it's cool. And, and, at least they didn't ask, but I think I gave them a little more. Maybe I didn't answer everything they should have. Right. I think it also goes the other way, too, though. I think also, you know, we have this false sense of confidence, too, that, you know, some of these kids, um, and not even kids, I mean, adults, right? Sure. I mean, sure. they have this false sense of confidence. Like, yeah, I know how to do that. Yeah. We, we had a guy in the class this weekend, and I was watching him move, and I'm thinking, man, this dude's a good fireman. Yeah. I would take this guy on my rig any day of the week. Right. And, um, and honestly, I don't. I think his name was Tom Jackson, and he's from West Bath, Maine. Um, and I'm thinking he's he's kind of salty. He's got a gray mustache like mine, you know. The guy's been around a while. And at the end of the class, afterwards, I said to him, I said, "Bro, you could, you got it together, man. You're you're. I love that. You yeah. got the future here. Right. And he says to me, he goes, "Yeah, I'm doing okay. It's only been a year." I said, "What? The dude did 25 years in the Navy, retired out of the Navy, and was bored and joined the volunteer fire department. Outstanding." So he'd only been, he'd just gone through his fire one and fire two and and through Maine um, in the last year, in 2018. Right. And I'm like, man, this dude was like that good. And the more we got talking and I'm watching him work and and we did some really good burns all weekend. And I'm thinking, wow. Yeah. You know, you're you're the future. And then I realized, shit, you're almost my age. (laughs) But you're the future. You know, it was cool. Well, you know, we go back to your staff too. Like I think, like I, I... the second day of the of the training, going to um, document the fast stuff that was happening with uh, with with Dave Gallagher, going over stuff with Chief Crawford, and he said something about making the harness, and you know, like you said that that look, and just like, hey, why don't we why don't we do it? Like right. you know, Chief, I, Chief Crawford, show, is... show me what you guys know because it might not, be, I might I might be thinking of something different. Sure, so Dave jumped right into it, and like it was cool, but at the same time a little like. I was like, man, like I hope these kids learn that they can ask this question in this environment because yeah. they were relieved that, like, all right, good, I didn't have to be the one. So the older guy asked the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You broke the ice for them, right? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. show me, like, let's see what this. And like, I mean, I think I got that just in that morning. There was probably 20 minutes of video on my phone that 
it almost half the memory of <laughs> watching Dave though go through with Chief Crawford and do this um just very down to earth. This is how we're gonna do it, guys. Like this, we're, you know, like just almost like that. I remember somebody say we're gonna walk in like gentlemen. Yes. And they were very gentlemanly about everything that they were doing, and yeah. it was just Chief, awesome to be a, a part of it. There, there's a guy. Chief Crawford's a good example. I met Chief Crawford at FDIC in probably 1996 or 97, my first year going, whenever it was, in a bar, and uh, he was sitting by himself. We got talking, and we became friends that day. We've been friends ever since. We have gone through major ups and downs, losing EJ. EJ yeah. was like his best, you know, he was his buddy, man, and they were right. super tight. And Crawford's the guy who called me when EJ died that oh. night. When, when when the phone rings at 3.30 in the morning, it's Jim Crawford. Yeah, something's up. Yeah, oh, shit. Yeah. But, um, but watching him teach, and he hadn't taught with On Scene until a couple of years ago. Um, really, after EJ passed, it brought us all together. And he and I had been friends, and he was doing his thing, and we were doing ours, and we had tremendous respect. And if somebody really wanted something that Crawford did, I would just tell him, yeah, don't hire on scene. Yeah, call, call Jimmy right. Crawford. Yeah, that's the right thing. This right. guy's the best. You yeah. know, It's, it's yeah. no different like man in the machine right now. I don't teach it. Right. Do I have guys that could absolutely do it who've done lots of machinery rescues? Yeah. I grew up in a junkyard. Right. You know, my kid's here watching us. He, he's been around. He saw my old man in the junkyard. Right. <clears throat> I could do that. But you know what? There's a company out there who originated it. That's right. So why would I take Mark Gregory's Thunder and PL Vulcans when I think they, they're so good at it? I hired them to do my department. Yeah, that's perfect. You know, so you have that respect for each other. At least a lot of the, I don't want to say older, but a lot of the more established companies, we, we try not to step on each other. And I think On Scene has done a very, very good job of being very, very respectful in that process well you just you just hit on that i just want to jump in right yeah. you talked about being respectful and you used peel vulcan and yourself and you, and you talk about that mutual respect and like this morning you know i went to post on something on social media and i, I took a picture of a, a mug that we got from new england fools and i mm -hmm. i thought it was 190 leatherworks and he sent us a message and it said hey that's actually and uh was it um brotherhood leatherworks right. was the one okay but like um the guy said to me he's like i respect him too much as a business owner to not like get that corrected. And cause I told him, I was like, man, I feel like such a jackass for doing that. And I even called up the other guy and apologized to him. And he said, no, he's like, you know what? Like, you know, 190 Leatherworks is a great company. Like I wouldn't like, I'm happy that he, he did that and I would do the same to him. But like, there was that mutual respect and we, we were kind of talking about it a little bit before the show, but like, I think that's missing. Is that mutual it's, respect? That's what this whole thing's about. Some of it's missing. There ain't no doubt. But this yeah. is what it's, it's all about. And this is what's this is the part that's being missed. And this is what pisses me off to no end is that, you know, we all talk a big game about brotherhood. We all talk about yeah. being brothers. But you gotta walk that walk, man. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the problem. There's so many people, and I'm not saying I'm perfect either. Like, I've had my run-ins with people too, but you know, an asshole's an asshole. You don't right? say. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But you know what I'm saying? Like, this is this is that disconnect, you know? There's plenty of training companies out there, right? Fantastic ones, mediocre ones, and terrible ones. Yep. You know what's lacking is maybe there needs to be more respect for each other because here's the deal. At the end of the day, there's plenty of firefighters that need training and tutelage, right? And there's plenty of companies that can offer it. Right. Respect each other. There's enough work to go around. Right? Yeah. And that's just on the training end, right? Yeah. And if you but, think if you think you're gonna get you know, you're gonna put your kids through college yeah. on your training business, right? Get out get a clue, right. man. Because it ain't gonna work that way. You might right. get a little extra here and there, 
and you might hit it big on some deal or you might take advantage of somebody and hit it big, but you'll only do it once. Yeah. And that's, there's, yeah, I've been doing but, this a long time. Maybe I just haven't figured out how you make the millions. But, Aaron, but the biggest thing, man. That's not what this is about. Yeah, but you, you know, know where you made the millions? You've educated, I don't know, like, I mean, just, just in that brief glimpse of looking at what happened in Thibodeau with, with Vernon in the Bayou, mm-hmm. you've educated young firefighters to produce a safer and better product, not only for the citizens that they're serving, but for their own departments. Like, I, I mean, like I said, like, just blown away by watching you and your staff take people of all all skill sets. That's all the other sk- thing, right? All like, skill sets. So you have somebody that like was a little me bit of a juggling act. Smells yeah. bells and people who fell like fifteen years into it, right? Yeah. And then this you, guy with his saying. I love it. Wait, I we love gotta it. like write these. Like, serious, you gotta copyright that one, man. <laughs> LLC coming out next. That's fall. right. No, um, but uh, <laughs> and then you have, and I'm gonna do a conference uh, tripping yeah. in the bayou. No, <laughs> yeah, um, nice. but no, but like, and then you have like brand new boot firefighters. Yeah. And the ability not only to roll into taking somebody like me and going over a point to taking somebody that's brand new and going over a point with them, but then like getting them together, mm-hmm. like it just every day of the conference was happening. And that was just it was. so it was humbling to watch. It was a constant evolution down there this with this. And I can't be more proud of what went on there and with our guys so and with, with the hundred that showed up. And yeah. So let's paint the picture, right? So yeah. we've got a lot of people listening and sure. following along, but I mean, we had we you you've been down there before, right? Maybe you could give us some history yeah. behind the relationship. Yeah. So I've been going to the Bayou for probably ten years now, maybe maybe a little less than that, eight to ten years, I would say. Um, started because Kitta Fire um, Trainers that, that make like the trailers and right. mock ups. Right. Hired me to go to Bayou Cane, Louisiana, which I didn't even know that existed, what that was. Uh, and they hired me and Billy Hobson went with me to go show them how to utilize, not just utilize the, the trailer the with pushing buttons and, and setting fires, but how to teach in that trailer and maximize that trailer right. to the best that it could possibly be. So they hired us and we went down there. And, and again, these guys didn't know these couple of Yankees for Adam, you know. And it worked, and we taught them how to do it, and it went really cool. And they had a fire innovation, firehouse innovations door, right, sitting there on the pallet, still in in the wrappers, basically. And I'm like, "What are you doing with this what, thing? Yeah, let's like, go! Come on, man! You should right. be breaking shit here." And uh, they're like, "Yeah, we just got that, and we really don't know much about it." And so I was due to to go out that late that afternoon or that evening, and I said, "Well, if you want." Why don't we just put it together and I'll, I'll show you how it works. Billy and I stayed there for like four hours teaching forcible entry. Nice. And it wasn't part of the contract, right, right. you know, but it was the right thing to do. And we made friends with these guys and we had a blast and uh, it worked. And then after that, the chief was very newly appointed chief and you got to meet Ken Emil. Yeah. Um, and shout out to Ken because Ken just went through a major medical. Holy shit. Really? Uh, he just had triple bypass the other day. The other day? Three weeks ago. Wow. Today's Bayou Kane chief? Chief of Bayou Kane, who was our interior safety officer during yep. the burn. Yeah. And who gave the speech and yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. on Friday yeah. night. One of the finest chiefs I think I've don't met. Don't be and that guy. Yeah. He, don't be that guy speech. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally great guy who has really transformed that fire department. But he was he had just become the chief. Oh, my gosh. And uh, we so we, we went through all this, and, and he said, you know what? What else can you teach? do this this and this and he said all right well i want to bring you back down here in my budget not part of this yeah 
so that got us in to that area, and they realized, hey, these guys aren't, you know, here to steal your money and run. And yeah, go right, back, exactly. Go back to North Jersey. And uh, it just kind of evolved, and we started meeting chiefs, and they started coming to stuff. And the next thing you know, Tibbet, uh, um, Terrebonne Parish and Lafouche Parish, a lot of those fire departments in those two parishes started bringing us in to do stuff with them because the LSU is their main provider of, of fire training. Um, LSU provides canned courses, um, book smart courses yeah, that you I need, and they don't provide kind of what we do. Right. Um, we can't replace what they do, but they absolutely can't do what we do. Right. And um, so that's how it's evolved, and it's been freaking awesome since. I mean, I, I've made lifelong friends there that there's no doubt. The relationships are unbelievable. Yeah, there's no doubt that yeah. if, if something happened to my family tomorrow, Half a dozen of those guys would be on a plane up here. Yeah, to, I believe yeah. to take One, care of them. One hundred percent. You know, they they are the the best people. They're just such cool people. Um, they love the fire service. Yeah. You know, they love it. And Thibodeau, of all places, it's such a cool little place. Like, I where the hell's Thibodeau, Louisiana? I don't know? even know how to say it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the way yeah. it's spelled, I kept I saying the Bodax and Thibodox. Be- before yeah, we yeah, got yeah, there, yeah. and I spoke yeah. to a local, yeah. I had no idea where I was. Did you going. understand what the local said? No, no, it was tough. <laughs> it was tough. <laughs> I did. I was because sometimes you I need a translator prepared. between Jersey and Southern Louisiana by you talk. You know. Yeah. Um, but I want to talk about this. The relationships you have down there, and you've you've planted over the last eight to ten years, was. Just evident from from the second we got there. Rob got there uh, before me. I flew in for a day and a half, and I was out. Right. Um, it was a last-minute type of thing. But Rob was there for a little bit longer, took the training, uh, and so on. But just painting the picture, this is an old hospital, right? So this yes. is Louisiana. It's about an, outs- about an hour outside of New Orleans. Yeah, south of New Orleans. So we fly into New Orleans, rent the car. We drive out into the middle of the bayou. Bayou country, right? Way down yonder, yeah, yeah, and um, and then Sugar all of a sudden, yeah, I mean, you're talking, you're talking, um, you know, some real tough neighborhoods, and and you know, it's, oh, yeah. it's not northern New Jersey, I can tell you that, right? And then, yeah. and then all of a sudden, you come to Thibodeau, and it's just a beautiful little city, yeah, a lot of a lot of built up infrastructure, com- you know, and commercialization, more, and, and a lot more coming, yeah, a yeah. lot has happened in that whole region in the last ten years that I've been going there, right? Really building out. And, and not building out in a, in a crazy way like we have here. We oh, have controls. Ur- we have stupid urban oh, sprawl forgot, in New yeah, Jersey, right? right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Down there, they, they're doing it the right way. So they so they had this uh, Thibodeau Volunteer Fire Department is arguably the largest volunteer fire department in the country. Could be. When we were down there, they told me that they had 497 people on the roster. Yeah, yeah. And- 500 members on the on the roster and and i want to make this very clear for the viewers and the listeners that are out there this is not we have 40 interior firefighters 10 exterior firefighters and the rest are all like the old guys right, like right. this was a department that turns out and when they say so, they have 497 members that's what's hitting the street yeah I, i'd say as of today they probably have at least 250 to 300 sets of gear yeah in you know issued right uh, now the best the best way it was explained to me and, and i can't wait to start talking about all this but the best way it was explained to me was dan mccauley and and uh Paglione and a couple <laughs> other guys they said 
Yeah, we were down here one time, and they had a job. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so we hopped on and rode with them. <laughs> they did. It's like we got there, and it looked like a fire scene in Brooklyn. Yeah. There were like 70 people in gear in yeah. SCBA standing in the front lawn for a building yeah. fire. On a, on a nighttime fire, they will average 70 to 100 people in turnout gear and SCBA. It's, out, it's outrageous. That, that's that no is kidding. outrageous. Which makes it a hell of a lot easier to run a conference when you've got that kind of resources. Yes. Think, think. They yeah. got the equipment to, yeah. to oh, equip my God. 100 guys at a yeah. fire. And, and you know? we had the ability. They were so nice to open our doors to us, and we shot some content down there and so on. But this is a fire department that has fourth, fifth, and sixth generations Absol- on the line. Absolutely. I mean, you look at the names, and you Ugh. look at, like, Chris Rivier was, right. was the... Um, the historian did, too right oh my god yeah, yeah. right what yeah. a guy just yeah. just meeting him and his family and you know that whole but that's just one right and you know and he was our interior safety on the on the writ and uh you know i met him the first time we went to thibodeau and i just this this guy is an attorney right who is very very well known throughout the region is very very good at his his profession but his love of the volunteer fire service is second to none right. that I've ever I agree. met. I saw yet, it firsthand. Yet here's a man who will sit in federal trials in New Orleans or somewhere else, and in the same minute, you know, first thing that morning, what's he do? He throws all his gear on and goes and runs their tower and does 110 flights because those guys are huge on tower runs and remembering what happened here on September 11th. I've never seen people like this. I, I mean, didn't know that. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. You wow. look at Rick, you go on Chris's Facebook or yeah. his Instagram or whatever, and he does. He before he goes to a trial, he'll throw his turnout gear and SCBA on his back and do a 110 flights. And this man's in his 60s, and he is just totally badass and a awesome a, and an unbelievable gentleman. Yeah. And and all those guys down there, the the level of being gentlemen, you know, and and just. The hospitality. And, oh, and you, you can't say anything more than Southern I mean, hospitality because they define Southern hospitality. Yeah. That whole region does. Even, even in, uh, so like we talk about the members having this um, lineage in this fire service yeah. that, you know, I'm leaving the hotel and checking out of the room or extending it so we could, because we were, we're leaving the last day. Right. And I talked to, I think her name was Janet, right? Was that the one at the front desk? And uh, she she had your number. She because we walked in and we said Aaron said this, and she said, "What did Aaron say?" <laughs> um, but I don't know. What. Yeah, I you know I just I was like I don't I don't know him. I, I, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, she I make friends. I'm when, well aware. <laughs> I, I explained to her what our platform was about. Right. So the when we checked out, she had a picture uh, that she shared with me of her. I think it was her grandfather had bought one of the first engines on the other side of the bayou yeah 308 and and, and he it, built that firehouse yeah yeah and it was I, just I remember that lady yeah and, what, a, what a nice lady she took good care of us getting us registered yep. and and it was just yep. it was to me i and i just sat there awestruck for a moment being like man and i like like this yep. this is this is the hotel staff yeah this woman's not a firefighter yeah but but she knows the history and the the community values it so much so and and so being a volunteer fire company and so such a such a community player, I mean, and this this goes to the training, goes to the type of department they are. Yeah. But this is the type of department that it totally embraces their community. They're running salvage trucks, right? So they understand one, it's part of the ISO rating down there, but two, they understand the value of customer service. Big time. If there's a fire or a flood or anything that's affecting anyone in their community, they have equipment ready to respond with multiple people. 
to mitigate a problem for a resident. Like this is a full customer service. When you talk about a community oriented fire department, Thibodeau, Louisiana exemplifies that. I mean, I saw it firsthand. They do. They really do. I mean, they would have been, you know, like the poster boys for Brunacini had you known them. Chief Brunacini would have been using their pictures in his books. You're right. You know, Mrs. Smith. You're right. Or, you know, Mrs. uh, Thibodeau or Mrs. You know, Mrs. Boudreaux. Yeah. Instead of Mrs. Smith, because they do, they exemplify it. They, they take such good care of their, their community. And then in, in turn, their community supports them like no, which I've never seen a community do what they do. They, you want me to talk about the the fair? Yeah. Well, I, I I was to say before we get to the fair, just like, you know, that community takes care of it, which is really how on scene training was able to get this location Yes. because the owner of Rouse's market, who was a great sponsor of this event. Yeah. Um, and if you're in Southern Louisiana, please check out <laughs> Ross's Market. Yeah, I, I, I don't think there's anywhere else you shop. But yeah, right. Ross's Market, they, exactly. They came upon this property, and if I'm and Aaron, correct me if I'm getting this wrong, but they said, "Listen, as long as you guys need need for training, don't worry about what we're going to be doing here. Because yeah, this building will be here for you guys yeah, to train in. Yeah, it's we're important. not going to just tear it down on you. If you need to train in it, we'll we'll leave it up. It's um, so we'll get to that. So I guess the building itself. The property is is ro- located right on Route One, right in the city. You know, maybe what thousand feet from the downtown, maybe yeah, a couple right. thousand yeah. feet yeah. from downtown. Um, it's a hospital that was built, I guess, probably in the '30s or '40s originally, and then added on and added on, and, and it, it served many many different uses as the hospital, and then as a uh, mental health institution and some other things. Um, it was sold and uh, and. Uh, Donnie Rouse bought it, who's the owner of Rouse's Markets. Uh, Rouse's Markets is like the, the big grocery store chain down there. They're, yeah. they're, they're, you know, they sponsor the New Orleans Saints. Right. These guys, they're, they're the real deal. Provided uh, us lunch. Provided us lunch, absolutely. I, I wish we had Rouse's up here because, man, you can go in there and it's just right what you would want. Uh, what a great store. But anyway, we're not, we're not selling their stuff. They can do it on their own. <laughs> but... You know, we met with him. The chief, the chief in Thibodeau, and I got to say this, Chad Muir is the chief of Thibodeau. Yeah. He's been there a few years now as the chief. But just like everybody else, his lineage goes way back. His dad is a big member at Protector and, and uh, Protector Fire, you know, one of the companies, and cooks lunch for the guys on, like, Wednesdays and stuff. And uh, it's such a family affair. And Chad, when we were down there doing a fire school for them, Chad said, hey, we, we might be able to get the hospital. And, of course... Me and Bart and whoever else was there were like, hospital? What do you mean, hospital? Yeah, right. And then, Are you talking about the old charity hospital? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, he's like, well, hop in the truck. We're going to go for a ride. And he took us over, and we looked at the hospital. I'm like, holy crap, man. This is this is like a fireman's playground. Yeah. And um, he said, well, before you leave, we're going to go. Well, why don't we meet up with Donnie Rouse? Now, Mr. Rouse is a very busy man. He's a very important man in Louisiana from all everything I could see, yet he took the time to meet with us. We walked right into the corporate offices. We sat down at the conference table. He says, you know, what do you all want to do? And we explained it to him, and he goes, okay, my people will give you the paperwork. Just uh, make sure the insurance stuff is good and all the, all the documents are signed, and I can't wait. That'll be great. It's great for you guys. I'm glad awesome. I can do this for you. Right. And me and Bart, we're like sitting here like, holy shit. This, yeah, right. If this was Jersey, they'd be like, oh, forget you it. know, they'd be throwing documents at That's us right. and reasons tape and, and all these reasons why you can't do anything. Right. And instead, he was nothing but embracing these guys and said, anything I can do for this fire department, these guys are the best, you know. 
they've got that reputation throughout Louisiana that they are that good. They and, are that and good. They, and they yeah. really they are. and they've earned it. They've yeah. earned every bit of it. And like I said, Chief uh, Mayor Chad has been nothing but a gentleman and really a steward of it. And they want to get better, which is really cool. You know, yeah. they're a big hitter in their area, but they're not good enough yep. in their eyes. And I love that because that's how I feel about every single call I go on, every drill I do, every class I run. It's not good enough. We could always do better. Yep. You know, it, it's and it's and no it was it was cool to because like I've I've had this discussion with Jeremy about how like National Fire Radio. Like when he asked me to do this, you know, and I said like, "Hey, if we work hard, we'll get wherever you know, a thousand likes, whatever." But like I said, I didn't know, I didn't have any expectations, and I walked in after every night when we were interviewing somebody, I felt reinvigorated into the fire service, and it was the boost that I needed mm-hmm. to get me past a hump in my life. But then like coming down to Thibodeau, like just high off of the fire service, coming out of there because of that attitude from their yeah. own members, and even the. Yeah. Members surrounding them. Oh, yeah. I was floored. All the departments around there. I mean, we dealt with a department there who we had never dealt with before, who was a mutual aid partner of theirs. But, you know, like everywhere, we all have our little sandbox and they have their issues. And that department sent like three or four people and sent us their tower ladder. Mm I had never trained that department. Yet I've been there dozens and dozens of times, driven through that town, driven past that firehouse, but the the chief who had been there at the time was kind of, yeah, we yeah, don't we I don't need it. we don't need you guys, right? I get it. And that was his call, you right. know. And I never was like, right. well, screw you, dude. You know, I always thought, well, one day maybe he'll do it. Well, the captain signed up, he came, and they they were so cool. And it was the first time we met him, and now I'm in touch with him all the time. It's great. Talk back and forth on social media, and they're EJ said it best, you know. For those of you guys who don't that are watching and listening. EJ Mascaro was one of our, our instructors. Uh, he passed away a couple of years ago, um, and he was really part of the heart and soul of On Scene. Um, but EJ, EJ started this with, you know, when we go somewhere, we come in and we're all friends, but when we leave, we're all family. Yeah. And um, I live by that, and I, I believe in that wholeheartedly. And after that weekend, we had 100 more people in our family, yep. you know, and it was, it was awesome. So. Yeah. But the hospital itself, um, getting back to that, yeah, you know, it, it's where else do you get to do things in a true building? Not a not a concrete burn building, not some Connex boxes, not any of that shit that we normally get here in New Jersey or we get you know in other anywhere places. in the country. Yeah, I mean, most that's what places. We're, what we're accustomed to. Yeah. So right. um, this was a true working hospital. You know, maybe fifteen or twenty years ago, whatever. The only thing that was missing from the hospital, really, was the interior Content. stuff. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. you know. The- we even had a student in the class who had been saved in that hospital. He would tell me, he's like, oh, this used to be the mercy wing. Yeah. I died down there. Yeah. I said, what? And yeah. he said, yeah, when I was young, my mom bought me here, and I decided I died down in this room. And this very talented doctor, and he rattled off his name, came in, and he saved my life, and I came back to life here in this hospital. And we're something. burning it, ain't it great? And I said, Shut up, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, we had we had guys who said, you know, I was born in this hospital. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why. Yeah. The house next to our hotel was Chris Rivier's house that he grew up in. Oh, okay. We're we're there that night of the party on Saturday night, and we're looking at, and I'm talking about, and I said, man, that house is just cool. I, I that represents old Southern yeah, charm. Right, right. And he goes, you think? I said, yeah. And he says, 
Yeah, that's where I grew up. That's wild. So, you know, always a story that goes with it. But, yeah, yeah. But the hospital, I couldn't even tell you how many rooms. There's got to be 100 rooms. We did a walkthrough. I did a walkthrough with the camera rolling, and we checked out different parts and different things. I mean, this this was a full-functioning hospital. There's probably over 100 rooms in the place, different wings. And you know what? How many instructors did you bring down with you, Aaron? Let's put Uh, this in perspective. I mean. I guess in the end we had uh, 25 of us. Right. Yeah. 25 instructors screaming to crop from the industry there teaching. And if you talk, if you think about it, just over a hundred students, right? So you're talking a four to one ratio, right? I mean, I'm not the best at math, but I, yeah. I can do that math. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, Aaron, what you guys did and what you brought to the table down there was huge for them and for the fire service. Cause what you bettered the fire service, when you, when you guys left after that week, you were there all week doing other things. Yeah. And then leading up to the culmination of, three days of live fire training and moving lines and throwing ladders and cutting roofs. And, and you had rock stars there to teach these, these kids. And when I say kids, it was everything from 18 to probably 60. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you have this cadre of instructors and I have all these people all the time ask me, well, you know, I, I'd like to teach for you. What's it take to teach for you? I don't even have an answer. Yeah. I really don't. Like, I I feel like I feel pretty stupid because like, I go to him. I said, oh, okay, yeah, but I don't really know what to tell you. Um, so it's just these people have come into my life in the fire service. Right. I've watched what they do, how they act, how they interact, and what they can bring to the fire service and bring to on scene and, and those that we interact with. And they're just that good at what they do. I almost and feel like Wayne's World. We're not worthy. We're yeah. not worthy. I mean, no, they're, they're no, so. I don't mean that. In a, yeah, in a, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like they're just they're just such good people. Yeah. And and every one of us is flawed. Every one of us has oh, our act. That's absolutely. A total, that's a total shit show. Absolutely. But, but when it comes to the fire service, there's nobody better. I mean, are there are there other instructing groups that are out of this world? Absolutely. Of course. Listen, man, it ain't. I. I I would be an idiot to think that on-scene training is the greatest and nobody else should be teaching like we do. I mean, come on, man. There's people who have that attitude, but it ain't coming from us. Right. But, you know, I can list you out the people, and it's just the amount of experience that sits at the table. Well, that's that's where I was going with this, right? And I, 447 I, years is what we counted in the gazebo that And we night. weren't all in the gazebo that night. Right. Yeah, you could have added 35 for me if I'd been in there. <laughs> so, Yeah. And I think that was and and the the funny part about the gazebo, you know, after after we're done training and everything, we're we're hanging out, um, having a couple of drinks at night, and it's I'm sitting back and just kind of listening because and we start this math math problem, which is a four letter word in my vocabulary, but I was using my calculator on my phone, so it was okay. And I remember going up to one of the kids, he's like, I only got two years in. Because it was not only the instructors, but it was the people yeah. who were participating as well. Yeah. But I remember, like, I was just, I was just about to say, like, it doesn't matter. And I think it, I want to say it was either Dave, it's either Dave or I, I forget who else was there, but it's, it's got to be Gallagher. He said, like, hey, it don't matter because you're you're part of that experience. That's right. And yeah. the like, the person was like, oh, all right, and I was like, yeah, two, two years. I'm like, all right, cool, we're throwing it in, and we just kept going around. Yeah. And that was awesome because people went around telling just sharing war stories but not for the sake of butching up of just being like yeah i remember this happening and it was yeah and that's what this is all about yeah yeah you know 
like the conference was worth it just to sit there and drink PBR and listen to some of these things because that informal education happened. Yeah, there's nothing like PBR, but and of course (laughs) I missed all that. Yeah, left. But however, no. But Rob, you're absolutely right. You're hitting on something, and that's what we talked about before. Is like when you round yourself out, when Aaron rounds himself out with the right people, he doesn't know what the equation is to hire the next instructor. It's just, is it a fit? No idea. Does he bring something to the table and what is he, what is, what can he do to make this job better? And so you guys made the job better when we were there. So I got in the first day was all training. And then the second day was all live fire training when I was there. Mm -hmm. And you're talking about a very large building and you had evolutions going on. I mean, I can't even name everything advancing a two and a half, advancing a line up the exterior through the windows. Uh, obviously truck work, you got, you got roof, you got search, you had writ, you had man through the floor, which I want to talk about in a minute. Cause I, that's a good drill. Oh, it's a fantastic drill. Yeah. And truck, they did forcible entry. Absolutely. And the engine, we did two and a quarter hose cause they hadn't ever heard of two and a quarter quarter hose. Yep. So key sent us down two and a quarter hose and Elkhart provided us all our nozzles, you know, and, um, yeah. Ladder, single man ladder throws from the exterior. I mean, it just... The list goes on and on and on. What was afforded to these students when you're talking about a event one search VES, yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. V, the V and 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 watching people do the VES, oh. right? Like VES and a live fire, yeah. Like, I mean, I <laughs> that I, was cool. I'm sitting in, in the room with um, uh, I'm gonna slip the, Montgomery County. Oh, Bobby Foss. I'm sitting there with yeah. Bobby Foss, and he's which we're confusing each other because he's going. He's going Rob, and I'm going Bob, and he's like, <laughs> "Wait, what?" And I'm like, "Yeah, but." Uh, you know, we're, we're in there and like watching them teach that before and the guys coming in the room and training and being like, hey, close that door, close that door. Yeah. And Bob going, they're going to close the door later on this afternoon. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when they had fire come down the hallway. They yeah. Did, yeah. And it was and I remember sitting in there because I was like, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to capture this. And like they they got in the in, in that room and it was it was like it was real. It was real. But those fires were real. And, and there Believe was me, the, such the, stuff that was taken away from that. Yeah, the one fire that we did. And, and again, these were 1403 fires. Absolutely. We were cautious about that. We were burning the proper products. You know, we prepped the building as best as that building could possibly be prepped. Um, we cut our own vent holes. <laughs> we came to find out that we had nothing but concrete roof Unbelievable. on the entire yes. building. Yeah. Yep. Seven inches of buildup and five inches of concrete. Yep. So we, we boxed it all out. You know, that was our prep work during the week. We, yeah. you know, got a wet saw up there and a booster line. <laughs> but these were real fires. There was no, there was no bullshit. This was not the stuff that, oh, just hit it with the line once. You know, the, we're creating that horrible muscle memory in burn buildings every day where we mm-hmm. teach them to do this and shut off because we don't want, we got to reset. Don't do that. You know, this was not that kind of stuff. This yeah. was the one fire for sure. Surprised me a little bit where we're pushing down the hallway and it went from pretty clear. I, I could see good with, you know, where everybody was for the most part, it was a light smoke condition to a pretty, pretty rough, dark situation really fast. Nothing was out of control. Proper check lines were in place. Safety of officers were in shape. However, place. it's realistic. But this was real. And yeah. there were some young firemen who hadn't really experienced that before. And when we came out, they're like, holy shit, man. That was that was, that was was really something. Well, but, yeah, that's really what happens in fires. Yeah. You, you know, that's not what happens at the county burn building I, or in a connex. But you, 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 you talked you know? about this in the beginning when you, at the start of the day, and mixing people up. Yeah. But in that fire, it was 
awesome. There's a guy, Lou, from, from upstate New York. Lou, uh, Kamiel, I don't know if I pronounced his name right, but yeah, yeah home run guy, lieutenant from up there. Right, and, yeah. and, I, and I had spoke with Lou a, a couple times. It's up at Gates, and uh, he... It was. This is an example of how awesome the training is because we talked about that, like somebody with a lot of experience versus yes. people with very new experience. And Lou stepped right up into that role of an officer. He did, he did. even though he wasn't the officer. Yes. But like these guys, after working with him in that group for the day, yeah, were right with him. And yeah. he and I, I, like it was just if there was a moment to capture, it was yeah. that. And unfortunately, I was one cameraman, but like. He, he was good. Pushed them yeah. guys. Through. Is that right? That's cool. Yeah, yeah. We, we pushed down that hallway. He was the boss. I was the instructor with them, which that's a whole other story. When you're running the thing, you have to have the right people to run it for you. Right. And that was Bart ran the operations. John Simpson is just. He and I have been friends a long time. He's been doing this for forty some years, and the guy just has the make, biggest passion for firefighting I've ever met. Uh, and, there, and I've never seen a topic the man isn't really, really that sharp in. It's awesome. He's that good. Yeah. But he ran the ops end of it. Carl Haddon ran, mm -hmm. ran the command end of it. So I could just teach, which was right. really cool. The next one, I probably will step back so I can see the bigger picture. Um, but I was the instructor on that line with those guys. Lou was the boss. The nozzleman was a young kid from, I think, Lafouche Parish or Thibodeau or somewhere, somewhere down there. And it was a hard push. It was it was hot. It was really black. And uh, we made the hit, got into the fire room, and had a lot of fire in there. And did they did a great job. While other guys were searching, guys were forcing entry, BES going on. It was how fires are supposed to be. Yeah. And when you can train like that in such a realistic setting, it, it was amazing. And not it one was. point did I or anybody else feel in danger, which no. is the other side of it, like, because I mean, I'm, sure. I'm an officer myself, so I'm looking as I'm going through and like all the, all the check boxes are, are coming up and I'm like, wow, this is like, not only is this just going to be a realistic yeah. AF, but <laughs> like everything's here to protect us at the same time. And it was just like, so that was that, that fire was, was awesome. Yeah. I, I remember coming out with Bob and just being like, that was the one that we're going to go to yeah. the roof and take a break. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I'm super pissed at the moment. But, um, <laughs> so, cause I didn't get a chance to experience any of that. Um, when wait, I was there, wait till you see the but, oh, camera video. No, I know. Right. But, <laughs> but the, the fun thing though, for me is that, you know, I had the ability to see the other end of it, but what I, where I want to go with this though, is that the experience you two just shared over the last few minutes of this podcast is incredible because I think that's lacking. You know, we know guys that preach the word about realistic training. We know guys in the industry that, you know, want to want to push the envelope in training mm -hmm. and pushing the envelope and finding um, realistic situations or, or the ability to train in a realistic environment is so hard nowadays it is. to do. It is. Our, our hands are really tied. And and don't get me wrong. I believe in NFPA 1403. I get it. Of course. I, I like, I'm I, not saying go burn. Right. right. I, I believe in yeah. it to a degree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and it's there because we've done stupid things and firemen died. Yeah. Bottom line. And here in New Jersey, right. we'll it, never be able to do it again. I get it. We know. Yeah, I get we, it. Know we, what, we know what happened. We're in New York. We did it in New York. Right. You know, New mean, York. I mean, guys went to jail over it. Yep. Yeah. So, but it's got to be done somewhere because. Well, that's the thing. Because otherwise you're creating guys that they're, they're not firemen. We're not creating a real environment. They're not, they're not used to what's going to happen in the street. And what's going to happen in the street today 
compared to what happened in the street 15, 20 years ago is so much more dangerous. Right. Yeah. So training them right now is way more important than even when we were probies. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We've we've got a guy coming up in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, Dave Mellon, he's going to do our next on tap event. He talks about his, his, his programs fire for effect, bringing back the lost art of realistic fire training. And I, like I told Dave, I'm like, Hey, you better come to burning in the bayou next year because this is what you talk about. Yeah. And he hits on, and he says, he's like, have you ever been able to put a fire completely out and overhaul the room? Right. Or just have the instructors say, I'll give it some water and then back out, you know? Right. And it's, it's so important. This job is a blue collar, dirty, snotty, bloody, get your ass kicked type of job. I don't it care is. if it's volunteer career. It is. But you have to be exposed to that. And when we don't expose our own to that, how can we expect them to perform under the conditions when it's time to perform? You can't. Right. You can't. Aaron, and, and you're, and is that who you would want coming for your family? Well, that's what, right. I mean, of course, right? right? And, and so what you guys were able to do in Burning in the Bayou was exactly that. You, and you just said it before, your nozzle man was probably a, it was a younger kid. It's probably never made a push like that in his life. No. And you know what? Not a lot of guys what, have. Right. And, yeah. and the thing is, is that what they learned very quickly was, holy shit, this is real. You know, and we go from alarm specialists and, and all that bullshit yep. to all of a sudden it's time to be called upon. And I hate doing these cliche things like, oh, when it's time to get called on. Right. But but it's true in a way, right? It's true that if yeah. we have never been able to give the firefighter or even the officer the ability to perform under the conditions in which they're called upon when it's time, yeah, what, how can we expect them to perform? Andy Stump yeah. is a uh, Navy SEAL who gave a talk at a fire conference, Fly Swiss Fire X talk, and he said that uh, as a Navy SEAL, they go to 100% and then they back off 10, and that's where they, they like to be at. And he said, and if you're, he said and that the whole thing for him was that firefighters and Navy SEALs are, are very similar. You know, they don't get to pick the battlefield that they go to. They don't get to pick the time they go. Right. They all, but the one thing that they do do is uh, coordinate very well with each other and, like, truck work, engine work, rescue companies, like they all right. converge with these specialized skills to go and attack an enemy. Mm-hmm. And they try to jeopard, or, um, not jeopardize, uh, take advantage of every opportunity they have to exploit against that enemy. And if we don't do that, we're going to fail in that training. And that's what, like that, you know, we're just, we're just talking about this. That's exactly what we did. We bought everybody to that 90% mark. Mm-hmm. And that's what we really need to do. Is and I, I love it, man. I just, I, I was there for two burns and then I had to leave. I had to catch a flight. But I saw the burns from the outside. I didn't get to partake, and and I wish next year, if we get invited back, wink, wink. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, that's you know, given. we'll uh, you know, I'll definitely be there for the for the long haul. And I just have to say though, like I can't implore these kids enough. Not even kids, even guys that have twenty years on the job. Like you need to get out. Nobody, I don't care what department you're in. Nobody's going to the fires they used to go to, and nobody's having the experience they yeah. used to have. Nah. And so. I can't implore them enough to go find that training that's going to really allow them to excel and to better themselves and bettering themselves will then provide the better end product. Right. You know, and I thought you guys really brought that, um, the ability to do what you were able to do 1403 included, but sure. You had the ability to live burn in a, in a real compartmentalized building. And yeah. doesn't get much it better was, than that. And that was the key too, is that building was easy for us to control. Correct. Things, for Absolute. the most part. Right. I because it. it's a concrete building right. because it's, but you know, there were certainly things we had to be careful of. I, I thought it was amazing that after a live burn mm-hmm. within five minutes, mm-hmm. we went from an area where we had 
not that much visibility to we can see across the hallways and down the corridors mm -hmm. because you had the resources to ventilate smoke and <laughs> and, uh, and 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 reset. Yeah, because oftentimes yeah. that's the crutch of what happens. Yeah. Like you know, you have a burn center, you have two rooms. Yeah, and here we went through one, two, three, you know, without without any major issues. Yeah. Um, so like I said, it was just yeah. in. in I'm I'm blown away by and then the other thing was uh your setup like I have to say <laughs> you are a slick son of a bitch when it comes to the setup of like the mindset the night before having the chief from Biocane be like don't be that guy mm -hmm. and having that talk and then having Chief Crawford give his experiences from Pittsburgh and Bryson yeah. Street yeah like really set the tone for everybody who was coming in to either the engine and the truck company operations or the RIT company operations, because yeah. now in their mind, they're thinking of this, yeah. of these talks. This is real. This stuff's real. And yeah, it, yeah. it's real. And, 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 and Chief Crawford, mm -hmm. very real and about his, oh God, yeah. you know, coming across about it. those experiences. Aaron, what's, what's the logistics of, of getting the instructors in? Because like, not, not like the, the dirty details, but yeah, like, sure. You know, like, cause I mean that Dan coming out of Boston, Yep. You know, um, we've got the guys coming out of North Charleston. You, 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 everywhere in the country. How many states? Uh, I think we were 15 states. 15 states mistaken. traveling down to Louisiana. Yeah. Yeah. How do you how do you do it? Uh, my credit card starts smoking when I'm booking <laughs> airfare. That's how it starts. Yep. Um, yeah. It, it's it's. Um, I've been doing this a long time, so it's really just kind of second nature on how to do it try to get them all in around the same time and not make lots of trips. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but it's, it's tough. And, 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 um, Carl and Janet had are really my right hand. They, they're so much smarter than I am and they know all this stuff because of jobs they've done in the past and yeah, they're really square businesses yeah. they've owned. They, they right. really, they, they keep me so squared away. Cause I'm, I'm a, I am nowhere near an organized person when I it comes it. to stuff. Tr Trust and, me. I and they, it. they pull me, they pull me directly. <laughs> no in. comment. Yeah. They pull me directly in and fix all the shit that yeah. I screw up. Yeah. And they're, they, they do that a lot, <laughs> but so, yeah, so it's just a matter of trying to get everybody in, uh, coordinating schedules and then a couple van, you know, we ran a couple big vans right. and yep. the, the costs and the overhead of doing something like this make it difficult. Mm -hmm. It really does. It, it's a logistical. We talked about process. that a little bit the one night and it's hard. It's, it's hard. It's, it's up there. And it, it kind of like for those who are out there who are trying to weigh out value and you're having that internal struggle with you that like this, this $300 for this conference, first off 110%, it's worth it, but it goes into this whole, you know, th like this, these are the things that nobody thinks about, like renting oh. two vans for a week, getting yeah. the instructors in, yeah. having to do the prep work. Like you didn't have a wet concrete sauce yeah, in you, your back right, pocket. Exactly. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, the fire department there, number one, you can't do this without that kind of a fire department mm -hmm. and without that kind of support from your sponsors. So, you know, for key to send us basically a pallet load of hose, right. For Akron to send us down cases of nozzles, um, you know, without that and without the people like affordable drill towers, Yep. you know, Steve ponied up some money towards it. Honeywell paid for Friday night, which Friday night was our lecture night, our kind of opening ceremony. It was fantastic. Yep. Yeah. And uh, Jim Wal I, I called Jim Walters at Honeywell and said, Jim, is there any chance you can help out with this? He's helped us with other pro programs. And he says, tell me what we need to do. We'll be there. And, uh, 
they paid a lot of money towards that because we couldn't have done that on our own. The cost to a student to pass that cost oh, on I to a it. student, I get it, it would have been six, seven hundred a, a person, and nobody's going to pay that. And you're you're moving that into a, a you know a Friday night of pre-conference essentially like with guest yeah. speakers, and yeah. then you're rolling into your two days of conference with three tracks: engine company yeah. operations, truck company operations. And rapid intervention team operations. That's what we did. Um, going forward, it looks like we may add a fourth track uh, to accommodate more students because we did we we got to a point where I didn't like the number of students to the number of instructors, even though we were probably four to one. Yeah, which is which is really good, but there were points where we had bigger groups than I felt comfortable with. I felt that we could have been better at it. Um, like I told you, I've never done a show played baseball I've never gone to a fire that I felt I did it right that, that I could do it that I couldn't do it better I get it absolutely and on, and on scene the minute we settle for what we've done we probably should quit and give our give yeah. all our business to some other company who will be satisfied because I'm not satisfied yeah, you're not a corporate company here uh no <laughs> not even close yeah not even close. If if you saw the way I do things, corporations would throw <laughs> up. So <laughs> I can but, only laugh because I understand yeah, what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, but um, believe me, you know we we don't do a lot of written lesson plans because why would I? I don't need to write it out and tell Jim Crawford how to teach writ, or write it out and and tell Danny Danny McCauley how to cut a roof, or tell um, you know Jeff Barker from Lufkin how to stretch a line. These guys know their yeah. job. Yeah, As instructors, absolutely. I don't bring guys in that can't do it. Well, so. what you know and what you do well is you know your people. Yes. And, and, and you yeah. let your people that, perform. That is, that is something that I'll take the credit for. Absolutely. That's my, that's my strength. That's, that's absolutely, the, absolutely. My strength. And that's the, that's the big picture. You surround yourself right. with really, really good people, and they make you look a lot better than you I, are. Trust and, me, and, I do it all day long. <laughs> yeah. and, and a written lesson plan has yeah. a tendency to chain you down. Yeah. You looked at that hospital yeah. and that training ground and yeah. all the things that you can do, and you have a mind, like you said it, like I, I know what I want to do, yeah. but then you you bring in some of these rock stars, yeah. and all of a sudden they're like, hey, Aaron, have you thought about this? Right. And all of a sudden it's like, uh, no. Run but with it. Run with it. it. And you were there, you guys were there when we did the walkthrough of the building. When yeah. all the instructors got together for the very first time, when we all I got everybody in there, we walked through that building, and what did you get? You got an Art Bloomer with, you know, a million years in the fire service saying, well, we could throw ladders here, or we could do this. Or, you know, Bobby Foss talking about the VES, and I could do it this way. Or, um, you know, there's so many. Jenny Grimma, prime example. Jenny's our newest instructor, right? It was her first time on the road with us. She's a lead at FDIC now. She's a firefighter down in St. Lucie County, and she's doing training minutes and things like that. I didn't tell her how to do that two and a quarter class. Right. Because I got total faith that she's a home run. She That's knows what way. to do. Exactly. And did I ask her what <laughs> she's doing? Yeah, because I was, number one, because I'm the boss and I kind of need to know these things. <laughs> but number two, because I was interested too. I want to sure. see what's going on. And I'm learning from them. You know, everywhere I go, I learn. I learned this weekend when we were up in Maine. Guys, a couple of the students showed me some stuff. I was like, wow. Cool. I'm adding that to my repertoire. Yep. So, uh, so Aaron, I have to I have to say real quick, just yeah. um, a quick shout out to two of your guys, uh, Chris Losey mm -hmm. and Chris Gray, uh, Gay, Chris Gay, yeah, out of uh, North Charleston. Yeah. So these two guys did a man through the floor, right? Absolutely. Which yeah. um, is prevalent in the fire service. I know many many stories of guys that have survived, 
in line of duty deaths that have happened especially from guys falling through the floor. Yeah. Especially, especially now with this, especially now with this lightweight construction. Oh, abso- absolutely sure. right. And and I just want to talk about this for a couple of minutes. We I shot content on it. We're still got to put it out um, mm-hmm. on the actual evolution. But I, the one takeaway was these guys built a prop. They cut a hole in the floor. They tr- they framed out the hole. And then they were using plywood and busting the plywood up with tools to make it realistic. Because so often on the fire ground, when we talk about realistic training, when we do the man through the floor routine, right? I mean, we have a clear hole. It's easy. Yeah. We raise yeah. the guy up. Everybody yeah. feels good. We pat yeah. each other on the back. Yeah. But in reality, you're talking about a floor that gives way. You're talking about jagged edges. You're talking about a Perfect. situation that is not yeah. clean and easy, right? Right. And these guys put together a fantastic prop. And I, I had the ability to sit through one whole lesson of theirs and recorded the whole thing and interacted with them and talked to them. And I was blown away by that prop in a realistic training. But the best part about all of it was at the end of the day, after they showed everybody their training, they set it up. They showed you how to build the prop. They built it in front of the students, trained them how. Then they trained with them on how to do the firefighter removal. And they said, this might not be the best way. This is how we know how to do it. And it works well. But then at the end, they said, take what we just showed you and go teach it. Go, go train it. Go share the good word. Mm-hmm. And to me, that speaks volumes because it wasn't about them and it wasn't about their IP. It wasn't their know-how and experience. It's them passing it on and saying, I just showed you how to build this prop. Now take this home and teach your guys how to do that. And I think that's a testament to what you guys do in the, in the staff that you have is that it is bigger than all of you. And as much as I hate that whole cliche thing of it's bigger than all of us, in that regard, it is, right? When, when you employ your students to take what they've learned to go back and teach it to their own people, you take those 12 kids that went through that one class and if four out of the 12 take it back to their departments, mm-hmm. I mean, think about how many people you're reaching based upon just a, an easy 20 not easy but uh, 20 minutes of training yeah it's fantastic yeah. it's it's you know again you know we had talked about this before we talked about this last time I was here my I don't know that I have a philosophy or anything like that but my my belief is that what we're doing serves something more than me hell yeah and I want it that Amen. you know if if I die tomorrow I want it to be very clear that maybe my legacy was that firefighters got trained and they're going to be better and they're going to do a good job. Right. And that's, that's all it is. That's all it should be. It's not, we all got an ego. You know, I wrote an article for, for fire engineering years ago called the ego driven firefighter. Yep. I don't have a problem with guys with a chip on their shoulder. Right. I, I want you to have a little chip on your shoulder, be a tough guy a little bit, but also understand where that chip should end and leave it in your locker, you know? And as instructors, it ain't, it, it, I, I would hope it's not about that. I know a lot of guys, it isn't. Some it is, and, and students can see through that bullshit. Right. Firemen aren't dumb. You know, we act dumb sometimes. We're not dumb, you know? <laughs> well, we do dumb shit. Let's go yeah, that way. Yeah, let's go there. Sometimes dogs are brown. Yeah, yeah, but, but yeah, so when you, get a, when you get a Chris Losey and a Chris Gay, Losey's been a senior man for a long time, hasn't promoted, doesn't really care to promote. He loves being the senior fireman. And he's so good at it. And the guy, yeah. here's another guy that, you know, I met him through pools or through FDIC. I don't even remember where we met or when. But I just saw something in him. And, and Bart said to me, you know, this guy would be good to teach with us. I said, ah, bring him along. Let's see what he can do. And the minute he started teaching and I'm watching him, I'm like, yeah, this guy's. Yep. This is this. He's part of it. Yeah, I Chris, get it. Chris Gay, mm-hmm. the first time he ever worked with us, we were teaching. We were burning a school in Bayou Cane. Right. Right. 
we had that was the first time we ever did live burns down there and we had an old school like it was craziness but uh, I remember sitting with the board of education president there and the <laughs> parish council president and all this stuff and saying okay what are we allowed to do and he goes well what do you mean because it was slated for demolition right and I said well can we break things he goes well yeah break things it's going to get torn down anyway okay can we set little fires he goes Set big fires. You're the damn fire department. <laughs> I was like, yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> anything else I need to know? He goes, I want to write this guy a thank like, you card. Oh, you let me tell you. And, and so, but I needed instructors. And we were, and, it's, and this was going to be, the guys call it the Louisiana grind. Because we go down there, we know it's a week to 10 days. Yeah. And they work day and night. They work days building props and getting things ready. And then they teach at night. This past one, we did the fire school for the Thibodeau Fire Department that they do for a week every year, and we've been doing it for five or six years for them. So every night, we're doing different topics with just Thibodeau. And then it culminates with some live burns and stuff on Thursday night, and that's it. But every day during the day, we were there, 7 or 8 in the morning, building props, getting stuff ready, prepping the building 1403-wise. And then at night, we would come back and teach. So right. we would work till 2 or 3. Yeah. Guys would work till two or three in that heat, hundred degree heat, you know, ninety degrees, high humidity. And, but that's the kind of instructors these guys are. They believe in it, and they're I not getting. It. Believe me, they're not getting paid a lot of money to do this. Yeah. And nor am I. But it's what they do. Well, it's the and mission, right? It's it the is. love for the craft. I mean, and you guys, you guys are molding and shaping so many minds in the fire service, and I think that's so important to talk and, about. And it's we're lucky. There's man. a there's a commonality that i see in your instructors and like i so being from the hudson valley we, we don't have a we don't we do not have an active fools chapter mm -hmm. but so many of your instructors that were down there were ex, like were relating fools experience every one of them's a member and yeah and i and, think and that's, that's that wasn't planned it just happens yeah and but they are the best of the best and and it just it really goes down to that whole like it's bigger than us because these these are all all people who are not, like I said, like I said, they're not in it for the money. They're not trying to game the system. No. no. They're simply there to pass knowledge along. And it's, it's the, there's a brotherhood in this company that I never would have dreamed of. Um, and I live for it. I couldn't live without it, honestly. And I'm not saying I couldn't live without the company. I couldn't live without those guys. Um, they bring something so much different to it. Like, I can't even explain Aaron, it. Aaron, I get it. Like, because like, I'll tell you, from an outsider's point of view... Yeah, I don't want to sound like a no, douche, like you're I'm not getting choked I'm up a, over listen, it, but it's just no, how it but, is, but you know? Listen, like, I, I have to tell you, I spent a day and a half down there, and not only did you make me feel welcome in what we do, because not yeah. everybody accepts what we do or our personalities or what we do, but you guys were totally open to us being there. But I will tell you this, there's a sense of jealousy when I go places like that, and I see the camaraderie, and I go, man, I would love to be a part of that. I love to be a part of that camaraderie. Yeah, you guys are. No, I know. But, but, <laughs> I thank you, but yeah. but you know what I'm saying what though. You like you, there's there's that angle in the fire service that like there are so many kids out there, not even kids, grown adults that are angling for something more in the fire service because they're just not getting it. Yeah, they're not getting it where they are, where they're firemen, where they where they practice, where they work, where they volunteer. They're just not getting that part of it. Yeah. And when you get to see that, and I've been doing this a long time, and I have friends all over the goddamn country, right? Sure. And and very close friends and I you know and so I'm fortunate, but you know how many kids aren't or guys aren't, yeah. how many people don't have the ability to have 
what you have with your group. And as an outsider looking in, like people, it's, it's a jealousy thing. And not jealous, but it's like, man, I'm re- longing for it. Like, yeah, I, I would sure, love yeah. to have that yeah. in my life. You know yeah. what I mean? I felt guilty being like, like when you were like, hey, this is Rob and he's going to do this. And then the guy's like, all right. And I'm like, I don't deserve, I don't deserve this kind of act. Like, what, like, sure you do. But like, it was just it, like, because they, they're that, that, like, what you're describing. It's just it's so, it's when, it, you know what? This is a great way to kind of like start wrapping this up, right? is that the beginning of this conversation, Aaron talked about the people that influenced him. When he was a little little mm-hmm. guy from New Egypt that went to this department, went here to train and paid out of pocket to go there just because he wanted to be bigger and better than what he had in his small town. And we all have been, a lot of us have been through that. That goes to show that like you've come full circle, Aaron, that you have taken what you learned, influenced you, and now you have the ability to influence others. And you're doing that, rounding yourself out with a fantastic cast of characters that not only brings the good word and shares the passion for what we do, but they bring everything else with it. And when you talk about surrounding yourself with the people that bring quality and make you better, your staff makes you better. They all by I got, far. Right, I, I, yeah. and I, I agree. Yeah. My yeah. guys make me better. And I I believe in that 100%. And so there's a lot of people out there that just don't have that. And I implore them, go find it. Go to training opportunities like this. If it's not on scene, it's another group. Make sure sure it's good, valid training that makes you better. And that type of stuff makes you better, not only hands on the fire ground and on the fire apparatus, but also on the back end too. Engage people, talk to people, learn their backstories, get to know who they are. And their stories make you better. Hands down. So I, I got a couple things to add before yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. before yeah. we wrap that I think are kind of pertinent to it. So Do it. one is um, my my self pitch would be that it looks like we're going to do a burning in the bayou part due. I love that. <laughs> uh, you can have a lot of fun it, with that. It, it looks like we're going to do that in March. Nice. Uh, we don't have confirmation yet. We're still ironing out a lot of details. There's a lot of details to iron out. Um, I want to <laughs> add a fourth track to it want to add a survival track to it yep uh i think that would that allows us to have more students um and and shrink down some of our groups a little bit so we get a little even more personal with it uh we had some good suggestions from students on how we could do better during the live burn which is so important yeah and and um we had some i guess some good input from some guys that, that you know and the chiefs down there just I, I can't say enough for chad you know we talked about chief Muir. Talk um, uh, Benton Foray and and um, uh, Chief Boudreaux, right, right. Uh, these guys, they're just they're just so helpful, and they just keep, you know, Tony Boudreaux kept coming to me. What else do you need? What other equipment do you need? So anyway, they're they're all in. It sounds like Chief Knoll, who who uh, Greg uh, Jeff Knoll talked about a lot of stuff that he wants to do at the next one. Jeff Knoll. Yep. So so these guys, they're into it. We're gonna yep. figure out how to do it again. How to do it better? Um, the hotel is still standing. We didn't destroy it, <laughs> so, <laughs> and it was cool, you know, because we had yeah. a party on Saturday night right. that that actually uh, Chris Rivier sponsored, his law firm oh, sponsored. No That's cool, and that was, you know, it, it was just cool. We could all yeah. hang out around the pool and, and eat and drink and just bullshit. Um, so I think we're gonna bring all that that together. That being said, a couple of the things that I saw, and this is where the influence happens and where it gets better and better. Do it. And, and, and us as instructors have some strength that I probably overlooked at times 
in, in what we can do for people. Um, so that story I told you about me sitting back and watching, uh, I don't know if we had that on camera for it was us bullshitting before, but when I went to Illinois Fire Service Institute, I'm sitting there watching, you know, Bob Hoff teach, and I was watching Chief Hayde teach back when he was a lieutenant. And, you know, all these guys, and I'm watching them move, and I'm thinking, God, I wish I could be one of them, you know. And I'm soaking in everything that those guys say, right? And uh, so I had that aha moment recently where um, there's a firefighter out there from Beloit, Wisconsin, named Brooke Ames. And she's got Misfit Hose Dragger is her Instagram thing. Yeah. And she's really big on physical fitness and the fire service and all that. And the interesting thing is, I'm sure there's lots of dudes following her because she's this really pretty girl. But it goes so far beyond that and so more inspirational that it, it really set me back in my mind. She put a post up of her as a really, really heavy, overweight girl. And then she put the post up of, her, you know, the side-by-side pictures. Right. And she's in tremendous shape. She's a gym rat. She's ripped. And she's total badass, right? And, uh, in fact, Ryan Pennington had her on, on his podcast at one time. So I remember seeing that post and saying, wow, that's really inspirational. And I wrote it to her. She messages me, and she said, you probably don't remember me. And I'm thinking, shit, I teach all over the place. I meet a lot of that's people. Gotta, that's tough, right? Yeah, okay. I meet a lot of people. Yeah, right. Where and, we go? And, man, right. I hope, and man, I hope I didn't say something stupid. Because <laughs> <laughs> I probably did. So uh, she said, six years ago or whenever it was, you were teaching at the Monroe Fire School in Monroe, Wisconsin. Do you remember that? I said, yeah, I do remember that. I, um, um, Shane Bemke from uh, Illinois, from uh, Northern Illinois, for one of the fools groups out there. Uh, he brought me in there. He was kind of helped coordinate it. I was teaching engine stuff. Aaron Fields and his cadre were there teaching nozzle forward. And it was, it was really cool. And um, she said, do you remember sitting there talking with, um, talking with a bunch of students in the pavilion? I said, you know, I do remember that. I don't remember who was there. Right. I, I kind of remember the conversation. She said, well, I was one of those students. She said, you wouldn't remember me because I was this big, heavy girl, you know, a volunteer from a really little farm town. And we were asking you about what it took to be a firefighter and to do what you guys do. And um, I said, okay. And she said, you don't even realize it, but that conversation that day, I went home and started thinking, I can do this. And she said, I put my mind to it, and I lost 100 and some pounds. Nice. And I got on the job. And I'm going to give it back. And um, she's like created this movement called 451 Firefighter, I think it's called, or something of that nature, because 450 Fahrenheit 451. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got like, seriously, like a lot of things don't amp me up, but I, I was like, <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Yeah. And she said, You don't realize the influence instructors have on firefighters who are watching and just want this so badly, but don't know how to get it. Yep. And like, it really, I know what we do is important. I know that we're on a pretty big stage with FDIC and, and on scene's got a pretty big name and we do pretty good stuff. Right. There's others that are bigger than us or better than us, but whatever. And, uh, but to hear that from her really took me back and I, I really had to sit and think. And, and I was like, 
you know, really, I, I wouldn't say emotional, but maybe a little emotional about like, holy shit. And now the cool thing about that is she is changing firefighters' lives. It's awesome. And I'm watching her on Instagram and she is taking off and are, are a bunch of guys following her because she's a good looking girl? Yep, guarantee. But the message, her message is so true and it's so clear I love that, that. that an old fat guy like me or a young stud in the firehouse can follow it to the same degree. And for me, it realized, it made me realize more so that we do have that influence and we are on that stage and it's really, really important how we treat people and, and how we interact and you never big lead somebody. Never big lead somebody. And I think that's the message that comes out of tonight. I mean, it's just, you know, talking about yourself and your, your comrades, man. I mean, you guys are doing great things for the fire service. Your company, On Scene Training, has done incredible things and you guys have touched many, many departments, many, many individuals. Um, well, it goes, I think... We don't talk about who we touch. Well, but, you know. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> However... Cut that. Yeah. But, you know, but, but where I'm going, it's, it's getting a little no, sappy, but you went seriously. sappy, right? Like, yeah, I, I, did. I did. You guys, you're talking all these years of history, of uh, experience with all your guys. You know how many lives you've touched and changed and put in the right direction or... So, I mean, it's just, it's endless. And so for you and your guys, I mean, kudos. I mean, what yeah. you're doing, it's bigger than just training. It's bigger than just going to Thibodeau, Louisiana and lighting a hospital on fire. It's much bigger than that. It I, is. I often think of like the, uh, the influence that you have as an instructor that it's those, you know, the, the lives you've never even met that you've been able to influence. Right. right. Yeah. It's, Huge. it's not a, it's not a quantifiable number. I'm sure when it, it's like fire prevention. <laughs> You don't but know how many fires it, right. you've prevented yeah. by making right. sure people learned it, but right. you've done some good work and, and it's important. But I think the message is the message is very clear. Do the right thing. Right? Do the right thing. Enjoy the craft. Enjoy the job. Enjoy the camaraderie. Enjoy the brotherhood. And go teach a good lesson. Go help a fellow student, whether small town or big city, help them better themselves. And if you do that, they'll in turn better somebody else. And I think that just it's not any simpler than that. I think you're right. That's it, man. I think you're right. Yeah. Well, that's it. Mic drop. We're out of here. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I mean, Aaron, thank you. Uh, you know, we can go yeah. on and on, but yeah. Thibodeau was an incredible experience for National Fire Radio, for Rob and I being there. Um, if you're back in March, we will tag along, whether you invite us or not. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was a great experience, and it really opened our eyes to the whole training aspect um, outside of county and state-run facilities. Right. It's just the... The real, the realness of training and how important that is, and how that influences uh, firefighters in the business. And um, you guys keep it up. You're doing some great stuff, yeah. and I thank you. And I cherish not only you uh, supporting us, but our friendship also. And um, and that comes from mutual. I just I saw your bracelet sitting here with Dana's name on it, um, and uh, and so on. So it goes back a long way. And uh, and he's missed every day by many many every people. Every day, every um, day, no doubt. And that was a guy that epitomizes what. Fire service is all about the brotherhood, the camaraderie, the training, all of it. Um, Dana Hannon, think God about, rest his soul. Think about him a lot. Yeah, we all do. So um, anyway, on that note, Rob, we're done here. We're going to tell Aaron he's got to go. It's been a while. Yeah. It's been, yeah. We've been going two hours here. But um, thank you, Aaron, for joining us again tonight. Second time on the show. Um, that's it, man. You're in a league of your own now. <laughs> so, <laughs> gee, what a what a great group you're, to be in. Your, your ratings, yeah. your, your ratings just took a dump. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, guys, thank you for checking us out. Uh, we appreciate it, Jeremy with Rob, and of course Aaron Heller 
our guest and always welcome. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you being here. Thank you. And a lot more to come about on-scene training. Uh, as soon as uh, they post some things about the Thibodeau training, hopefully coming early 2020, we will definitely get that out to everyone. Um, I cannot implore you enough that if you're looking for realistic training and you want a weekend of camaraderie and brotherhood, um, that's the place to be. And um, Burning definitely... in the Bayou 2020, we're making the fire service even better again. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we're out of here. Thanks, guys. Thanks for checking us out. Take care. <laughs>